Hey, what's up, guys? We got some size larges left in the all-time shirts. Let us know if you're interested. After these ones, they're done, and we're on to the next. Thank you to everyone for all your support. How you doing this week? Hey, what's up? I'm good. Uh, tough week. Tough yeah. week. Feels good to be recording. Friday, new releases. How you doing? I'm all right. Big week for us. Yeah, it's a huge week. We got a big episode coming next week. We're going to start telling you guys about it soon. Yeah, that's fun. That's some good times. I like that. I like what we're doing. Friday, new releases. Yeah, I got a few. You have a few? I only have one. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, let me go first since I only have one and then we can let you talk about your new releases. Okay. Uh, the only release uh, for me, there's probably other ones, just I wait it out to the day and see what's going while I scroll, but Conway the Machine. Uh, for me, it's... Uh... Yeah, I knew you would fucking interrupt me because I'm always talking about this, but yes, Conway the Machine from King to a God, uh, debut solo album. Well, he says debut solo album because it's coming off on Shady Records, uh, stacked with uh, some good featurings. Uh, first single, Lemon, featuring Method Man. Uh, second single, featuring Dej Loaf. Uh, some good stuff. Super excited. Uh, hurry up and fucking put it on the website so I could buy the actual album. But that's about it. You? There's two solo albums from Market Fire members. Jeremy Gara and Will Butler. Oh, that's the sing- Isn't that the singer? Uh, no, it's the brother. It's a multi-instrumental. Oh, okay. It's his second it's a solo album. And there's the 16th studio album from the Flaming Lips called American Head. Ah, they're still alive? Yeah, and I shot on them last week, but there's five <laughs> or six, last week or two weeks ago, but there's five or six singles that they put out for this album because that's how many singles you should put out. Before your album comes out. You still put out singles? Five or six singles on, I think, 11, Bef- 12 tracks. Before the album came out. Yeah, like already out. And they're quite good. So I'm going to listen to it. Uh, check it out. Don't check it out. I don't care. They're, I mean, I don't know how I feel about them anymore, but maybe this will be a, a good... It's a very mellow-sounding album based off the singles. So, so was that, that album I like with the robots. Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots is... So I think that's the album that I always hope they return to. Okay. But they don't. And uh, I mean, whatever. Can I talk about something real quick? Yeah. So I went in and listened to The Big Sean. Yeah, how's that? I heard good things. You heard good things. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So I went in and I was just like, okay, that guy is very cheeseball McGee. Like Mm -hmm. his... Like... I really hate starting off the episode where we got to shit on somebody, but that guy is just, he can't rap. It's the same. Like, it's, always, it's always the same. Like, yeah, it's always the same. Doesn't change his flow. Yeah. It's like very like, like very cheesy. I don't know how to explain the cheesiness of it, but it's very like, why are you talking about this? Or like, can you just 
like you don't need talking like what i don't know it's just about issues he's having his love life but like he puts too much like too many featurings on the song like it's kind of like he wanted to do a very personal type of album but the featuring just overshadowed and just took away from what he was talking about and he's got like 21 tracks yeah like skits um he has a song with uh, i think it's called friday night freestyle Okay. That's eight minutes with a bunch of artists from Detroit. Yeah, I saw that. Eminem, Royce the Five Nine, Boldy James, T Grizzly, uh, and a bunch of other ones who should not be on the track. First of all, you didn't put Black Milk, no J Dilla beat. If you're doing like a homage to no Detroit, Danny no Danny Brown. There's like, it's like just so a waste of time. There's a there's a really good song featuring Post Malone actually that I was surprised me liking it. I think it's probably the best track on the album. Yeah. But like the album like drags. What is the good things you heard about it? I wanna. Nothing. I just saw that it, like people were saying that he reinvented himself. That he kind of refound a way to like he rebranded. He's not trying to be the the big Sean that came up with Kanye anymore. He's kind of separate. And from the little snippets I heard. Throw me right under the bus if I'm wrong. I'm not, you know, I don't. I know one of his albums. And the artist, I'm going to say, I find that sounds like I don't know any albums in full. Mm-hmm. I, I get like Mac, Mac Miller vibes on it. Yeah, I could see where there's you're coming from. There's a different direction, a more yeah. artsy approach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. More artsy approach, but it's like reinventing himself and like, it's like, dude, yeah. you're, you're rapping the yeah, same. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. You're even like falling into the trend of like, the what's going on right now, like you know that flow that everybody oh, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, come on! Like you were cheese ball when you came out with Finally Famous with Kanye, that was horrible. Yeah, and then you just kept riding a wave of just being on what what was going on at the time. Mm. And I understand now it took you a while to make this album and you wanted to perfect it, but it's just like me. There's some good tracks. The song with Nipsey Hussle is good. Post Malone. Um, yeah, the Dave Chappelle skit is funny. They're talking about Danny Brown. They had a beef, by the way, Big Sean and Danny Brown. Oh, yeah. So I'm guessing that's, that's why. why he's on. I didn't see. I didn't even check that, which would probably be the most interesting part of the. But yeah, thing. I think you could have done more with the Detroit song. It's cool that you want to put on other rappers, but they all sound the same. So it's like the same person rapping. I'm finding myself really enjoying those top albums of 2020. Yes. Again, the Phoebe Bridgers, the Perfume Genius. I was finally able to get physical copies of them, so it's like I'm discovering them again. How fun is it to get physical copies, man? And that one album that just gets me is, as of late, is the Moses Sumney album, Grey. Double album. He released it in two separate parts. Now it's finally released physically. The the second disc was released when he put out the physical, let's say. Mm -hmm. Man, it's such a great, great album. So, like, if nobody... if, If you... Don't know Moses Sumney and you like guys like The National, James Blake, uh, fucking, I mean, he's very backed from the guys from The National, Bon Iver has him singing on his last album, so check Moses Sumney out. He's got guys like Thundercat playing bass on the album, One No Tricks, Point Never, mm-hmm. doing some like synth stuff, The 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 just the body of work that we always say, the body of work is... Amazing, and for a double album, very rare. Mm-hmm. 
You you've gone back to the uh, Freddie Gibbs uh, Alchemist Alfredo album, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, and you're still liking it. I still you're, like it a lot. It's yeah. growing and stuff like that. Yeah, I I think since I've gotten it in the mail, the physical copy after ordering it before it came out, like the yeah. pre-order, I just love the album so much more. Uh-huh. It's the same thing with like the Boldy James Alchemist, the physical copy you get in the mail. You're just like, it feels more complete when you have the album to own. Yeah. And like during the COVID being off and stuff like that, ordering all these CDs and finally getting them in the mail after like two, two months, one month, you just like, fuck, I can finally own the piece of art and it, it just sounds so much better. Yeah. There's two albums that I'm very excited for as well. That that kind of fucked up my segue, because the Moses Sumney being a, a double album was going to be my segue into. We've got an episode on double albums for you guys. Oh, but before that, we forgot to mention something. Unless you're going to say something. And well, I'm, I was going to say two things. Okay, go. And There's then I'm two albums say. coming up that I'm very excited about. Because I'm I'm excited for one. Okay, so you take that one. <laughs> so you want me to go first? Well, it's the same one. It's one of the two that I'm talking about. Like for, you sure? Unless it's a fucking Griselda, I guess. No. Okay, go. Busta Rhymes. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Busta Rhymes said that he's coming out with his album, and he has like a preview, and he came out with his first single. So I'm excited for the Busta Rhymes album, if it comes out this year. That'll be fine. I was going to say Bronson. Yes. Sounds yes. good so far. Yeah, the first single is... I don't need to. I don't need a 10 on 10 from Bronson, but... No, but nice seven just to have a, like a like a nice. Yeah, you spoke about that with me today, but, but yeah. But but a new Gorillaz project after they announced an indefinite hiatus, they've been releasing singles all year. Song Machine season one, Strange Times. And there's the song with School the Boy track Q. list is incredible, man. Oh, the track list is out. Can you just shoot it to me? Because I did not see it. I know that the, the song with Schoolboy Q is that on the album. Yes, it's there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this was announced this week. Song Machine Season 1. Song Machine was a project they started earlier this year, I think in April or March. Mm-hmm. And this will be releasing... How many songs? There's 11 songs. Cool. Back in January, they started working on uh, on um, on this project. Uh, it's released on October 23rd. Song Machine Season 1, Strange Times. I like that. There's a regular and a deluxe edition. For yeah. Gorillas. I always go deluxe. Except Plastic Beach. Oh, no, there was one for Plastic Beach. There was one. I got it. Yeah, they okay. did deluxes on everything except the first record. Okay. Strange Times featuring Robert Smith of The Cure opens the album. Ooh. The Valley of the Pagans featuring Beck. Ooh. The second track. Track four, Pac-Man featuring Schoolboy Q. Mm. Chalk Tablet Towers, track five featuring St. Vincent. Mm. The Pink Phantom featuring Elton John and Black. Ooh. Track seven, Aries featuring Peter Hook and Georgia, Peter Hook of New Order. Uh, Momentary Bliss was a weird song featuring Slow Tie and Slaves. It's just, it, it's, I mean, whenever they come out with something, I'm always excited, so. They always have featuring, so. Huh? I think that's their whole shtick, yeah. But the, the, the Robert Smith one was impressive and they started promoting it this week. Mm-hmm. They started promoting it on uh, Tuesday, I think, and it, it it sounds it 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 came out Thursday. Uh, it sounds really good. That's fun. It's very it's it's different too because the Cure have been talking about doing a new album this year. So 
is this part of them hyping up that they're gonna, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I'm, it's not gorillas that'll make them super popular and relevant again, but it definitely brings Robert Smith to the back into popular culture for for, for yeah, the cause single. Because he's, he's been gone for a minute, right? Yeah, as they got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that was kind of it. The last time we heard of them. Yeah, he, people like putting him on featurings, though. Oh wait, they did disintegration shows last year because it had turned. F- 30. Yeah, so much for shows, but... See, that I, I would have loved to see. Fuck. I'm excited for the Bronson now that you, you, you re-mentioned it, and we were, I was looking at the, the website when you sent it to me today, mm-hmm. but that's super cool that he designed his own album cover. He's been doing that, right? He did that yeah. for White Bronco and... Uh, yeah, White Bronco was... Over a, Rice. Yeah, was all right. The Lamb Over Rice with Alchemist was good. You liked that one a lot. I like that a lot. I really like that EP. Um, but this is going to be cool because it's yeah. different producers. It's not only Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even s- produces a song himself. <laughs> There's Young Mexico that's on the on the song. He was on uh, uh, Blue Chips uh, Seven Thousand. He's the guy that on season one or two when they go to was it Jamaica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah. yeah, he brings the guy into the studio. And yeah, he, that guy. I'm I'm excited. It, it you know what when Bronson comes out you get very excited because you're like. You know you're gonna laugh throughout the album. It's not gonna blow album. your mind. It's just gonna be yeah. like it's yeah, just yeah. gonna make you have fun with music. Yeah, and I'm super excited to see that. And since we've been on a big Bronson, like going crazy with uh, fuck yeah, that's delicious and stuff. Did you end up seeing season four? I didn't get around to it. I mean, it's 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 gonna happen sooner or later. I just didn't get around to it. It's probably one of the funniest ones. I believe that. Yeah, and you should listen to Mayhem Loren. I've heard I've heard one of his albums. You made me hear it. Probably uh, the one with Buckwild, Silk Pyramids. Maybe I don't remember. Probably one back in our HMV days. The uh, the schedule today is double albums. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing double albums? The reason we're doing double albums is because it's finally good to talk about double albums. That's a shitty answer. <laughs> we always complain when an album's too long, and I said this year one of my favorites was a double album. Yes. When it's well done, it's well done. But we have the tendency to disagree with artists doing double albums. Yeah. It could get redundant. It could get redundant. I never understood double albums, though. It's very interesting because after doing this and preparing for this episode, I realized maybe I don't hate them that much. Really? Um, just to be clear on what a double album is for us, it's not a compilation of two discs. It's It's got to be two units. Yeah. One album that's spread out over two units on either an LP or a CD, whichever way it was first released. Mm-hmm. Okay? If the album originally came out on two records before CDs existed, before cassettes, it's a double album. Yeah, like you were talking about uh, last week, uh, London Calling. Right. Which I had no fucking idea exactly, was a double yeah. album. So it's the, the, the primary medium in which it was sold or released. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the main, that's the main way to see the double album. And you'll notice that I put together a bit of a timeline that, that'll just be fun to go through to give listeners a bit of history. It's, it's very interesting. The LP was created in 48. The LP, the record, mm-hmm. full LP. 1948. 1948. The LP allowed artists to have 44 minutes of music total. 
22 on each side. Hmm. Okay? 22 minutes. 22 minutes on each side. Uh, and because LPs were expensive, the idea of double LPs were limited to classical performances because songs were very long. If you wanted to record four songs, it may have taken you two LPs, depending on the length of the piece, etc. This was in 48. Okay, It was also not necessarily a welcome idea, but live performances were... Live performances got double LP releases. Mm-hmm. Um, the first ever non-classical performance to be released on a double LP, on on a yeah on a multiple LP even, was a jazz musician Benny Goodman, the famous 1938 Carnegie Hall jazz concert, live recording. That was the first non-classical. It was a 1938 performance. Okay. So it was obviously recorded later because the, mm-hmm. the LP was 48. It was transferred over. Costs of LPs begin to decrease in the 50s as the technology becomes more, you know, common. I mean, it's... Yeah. Um, so studios start, or labels start experimenting with the idea of recording studio performances of double albums. Ella Fitzgerald got to record the first, well, is it's noted as the first most popular double album. Yeah, I read that, that somewhere. She sings the Cole Porter songbook. It's 118 minutes of music. Jesus. Okay? It's noted as the earliest, popul- the earliest popular double album, but it's important to point out it's all covers. So in 56, somebody sang a bunch of songs by somebody else, Wow. And made a double album. In fact, there are people are doing covers in the 50s? Oh, back then there was even more covers than ever. So the first album that's often noted as a double album, exclusively of original material, comes out on June 20th, 1966, is Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde. Ooh. 73 minutes of music. That is that one of his most popular ones? Blonde on Blonde, absolutely. One of the most popular... Rock albums of all time. Mm. And often said to be one of the best. A week later, Frank Zappa's Mothers of Inventions put out Freak Out. That was a classic album of theirs, also a double. Very different types of music, but... How many songs on each album? Just if you know by heart. Like, are they putting like 20 songs? Are they putting 10 songs, 15? Is it... It's, it's more in the ballpark of 15. Look, 73 minutes of music, Bob Dylan, at 3, 4... Minutes of peace. It's not long when you consider it today. No. But that was a double album then when you could have only 40 minutes on each record, right? And did Bob Dylan and Frank Zappa do it in a way where each album was different? or No, no because it's one body of work. Okay. That's really... that's that's And that's it's very nice that you ask that question because you're going to see when that starts. Yeah. So, 73 minutes on Blonde on Blonde... 61 minutes on Frank Zappa's Freak Out. That's a double album. That's 73 minutes is long, but 61 minutes is very common yeah. nowadays. Big time. So that was in uh, 66. The late 60s, there are three other notable double albums that we need to mention. Jimi Hendrix, Electric Ladyland in 68. Better. Uh, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't printed on separate CDs, nor is Fry, uh, Freak Out or Blonde on Blonde. 
November 22nd, 1968, the Beatles' ninth studio album, self-titled The White Album. 94 minutes of music. So now you're starting to get a, a bigger volume of original music by the artist releasing the album. Can you help me and tell me White Album was where in their discography? It was, the, the, it was recorded before Let It Be, okay. but released before Abbey Road. Okay. I like to. I just want to know because when I when people talk uh, Beatles catalog, I have no idea. So they one. they recorded. I think Sgt. Pepper's, then White Album, then Let It Be, then Abbey Road. Popular album. The White Album, yeah, it's a great album. But they released Sgt. Pepper's White Album, okay. Abbey Road, Let It Be. And in 1969, The Who put out Tommy. Yeah, that's a big one. Double album, single disc today. Okay. On the reprints. So that takes away from it, though, when you do that, right? You're taking away from, like, if it was meant to be a double album and now you're putting it on just one disc, it's like... It doesn't, it doesn't. And that's where you were going to start to see this now. Because you can argue that some albums sound better in two shots. Yeah, I find But to a- me, like, an Electric Ladyland from Hendrix is a one listen. Okay. It just had to get split up because it was so much music. Whereas a Beatles White album, it's fun to listen to them in two separate on two separate discs. Yeah, because of all the ones I like, and we'll get into those ones later on. Yeah, I like the fact that they're separate. So you'll see, you'll see. Trust me, you're, we're gonna get there. You move into the seventies now, okay. Look at the success of those those three or those five albums I mentioned. Blonde on Blonde was a, a big success for Dylan. Freak Out for the for the Mothers of Invention. Hendrix Electric Ladyland was the last album before he died, besides uh, the live album Band of Gypsies. The White Album was huge, and The Who's Tommy was a big deal. So there was a lot of success for those bands with those albums. Into the 70s now, and even in those late 60s, a lot of the albums that bands are going to put out as doubles are oftentimes considered their best or, or part of their best work. There wasn't an abundance of music. So every artist was original in their way, right? You were kind of forced to be your own thing. Think of it now when you get artists that put out double albums. Not even half of it is good. Yeah. But back then, when you tell when I would tell you like like I'm I have to go through these I have to go through these albums because you're gonna be like these are all very like important albums. The popularity of prog rock is becoming more popular. The idea of concept album is all starting now. Concept album and what you said. Is it broken up into two albums for a reason? Or is it just the way it is? Mm-hmm. There's another thing to take into consideration. Cassettes are getting popular. So towards the end of the, uh, of the 70s, when cassettes start getting pressed, when albums start getting pressed on cassettes, cassettes can now allow you 30 to 40 minutes per side, hmm. which is the total of the vinyl, of the LP. So you're getting 60 to 90 minutes on one tape. If you look at a lot of those albums when they first came out on tape, the track listings are rearranged. So songs could fit in different places of the album, so it fits onto the tape. So they were making it to make the ta- like to fit the tape. 
That's it. You'd break tracks up here and there to say, okay, this fits on side one, but there's longer songs on side B, so bring it over to side one, put a shorter song on side B. The CD really fucking put everything properly. Mm, okay, we'll discuss that when we get there. You keep jumping ahead. 70s. Miles Davis, Bitches Brew. Better. That was good. It's a good album. It divides his, his, his fan base into two. Do you like him past that point or do you like him up to that point only? It was a, an album that kind of saw him take new steps. Mm-hmm. Double album, but still a classic. Can, Crowd Rock, Cult Band, classic album, Tago Mago, Isaac Hayes, Black Moses. Those are two albums from 1971. 1972, Todd Rudgren, Something Anything. He's better known for his songwriting and production with other artists. Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. That's the general a huge consensus one. is that's their best album. Yeah, that's a big one. Funkadelic Ford Studio album, America Eats Its Young. Not their biggest no. successful album, but within their good period, that album's can often can like it's part of their good period. Yeah. Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Again, regarded as his best work. We agree? Yeah. Double album. The Who Quadrophenia, second double album after Tommy. Well, they had Who's Next in between. Shit, so they had two double. Two double albums. And this one was also somewhat of a soundtrack for a movie. Huh. Genesis, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, the last album with Gabriel. That was in 74. 75, Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti, my personal favorite of theirs. It's off. It's considered a classic. Not not often their their best, but for me, their best. 1976, Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. It's one of the best-selling and most loved live albums of all time. That's where he broke out, was with a live album, double album. His studio albums, I couldn't name you one. Stevie Wonder, 76, Songs in the Key of Life. It's one of three or four classic albums, often said to be his best as well. Yeah. Marvin Gaye, Here My Dear, not something that got instant praise, but considered one of his best today. Fleetwood Mac, Tusk in 1979, it followed up their 77 classic album Rumors. Pink Floyd, The Wall, 1979, the second best double-selling album of all time, 30 million copies. That's 60 million units because there's two discs. I personally don't like The Wall, we could discuss that later. And The Clash, London Calling, also in 79, closing out the the decade. 1980s, Bruce Springsteen, The River, double album. You like that album? Love that album. My mother got me into that album. Considered as classic? No. No, No, it means a lot to me, but not as classic. The River is still sold as a double album both ways, unlike some of the ones on the previous CD and LP. It's a double album. Well, even The Wall, no? The Walls of Double Arm, The Clashes isn't, Fleetwood's Tusk is, Marvin Gaye here, my dear, is not. Stevie Wonders is not. Uh, it might be. It might be. America Eats is Young by Funkadelic is not, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is not. Exile on Main Street is not. Is not. Tago Mago from Cannes is not, but the rest are. So, Spring Scene, 1980, The River, Double Album Both Ways, XTC, English Settlement, 1982, double album on LP, not on CD. Okay? Okay. The 80s now, things are going to change. And if you were to look up double albums of the 80s, 
compared to what you'll find in the 70s, nothing. Well, nothing. Very good ones, but not as many. The CD was invented in 79 and released in 82. The total of the CD initially allowed for 74 minutes of content and was later improved to 80. So because of this, double albums become harder to define now. You're not splitting up the discs for all these albums. You're, you're putting double LPs out, but your CDs are single disc. Husker Du's and Arcade, which inspired, that's in 84, it inspired Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. In 84, two punk albums. Third punk album, Husker Du again, Warehouse Songs and Stories. 1987. 1987 again, Prince, Sign of the Times. 87, The Cures, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. 88, Sonic Youth, Daydream Nation. And 89, XTC again, Oranges and Lemons. All single discs on CD. But not on LP. But not on LP. That dif- but are considered double LP still, because CD isn't the leading... Uh, format. Right. Still weird, though, because were they, they were made to be a double... Yes. But they're not a double on yes, CD. Exactly. And in some of the cases, as you said, the CD really saved anything. Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime has songs removed on all CD versions. Songs from the original LP can't be found on the CD versions. Can't or can? Can't. Cannot. Yeah, cannot. so that defeats the purpose and that just it takes away the from your... Yeah, but they were... Okay, they were... Was it one, I think one was a cover... Still, you went in to record an album and I agree because Double Nickels away. on the Dime is a fucking great album that shouldn't be touched. But it was adjusted for that. Rather than releasing a two CD, they cut songs. So I'm sure people bought it on both LP and on CD. Very possible. No, because you want all the songs. If you're a fan of the artist, you're going to buy whatever. You don't want to miss anything out. We've done that. For something like that, possibly, yeah. But for the other albums, there's no, there's no trackless tweaking. Who's Cruduz and Arcade is untouched. Warehouse Songs and Stories is untouched. Prince Sign of the Times, The Cure, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Daydream Nation, You Can't Touch. And uh, XTC Oranges and Lemons are untouched. So that's the 80s. Then you get into the 90s. So 80s, yeah. So that's that's what's important is the 80s, the, the, it was still a matter of time limitation, right? Mm-hmm. Enter the 90s. Now you're talking about Splitting the style, splitting the album up for your artistic reasons. Yeah. Because you want it to be split that way. Yeah. 95, Michael Jackson, History, Past, Present, and Future, Book One. That's the best double selling album of all time. I didn't even know it was an album. Me neither. I didn't know that this Is was. Is that the white a, cover? No, it's him as the statue on the cover. I didn't know that this was considered a studio album of his. I thought it was the greatest hits. Yeah, I thought it was something like that too, but it's... And it's the greatest selling double album of, of all time. Of all time, yeah. Obviously. There's some outtakes on the second disc from what I understand, but the first disc is not is not that. Yeah. Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, this was a big deal because this album was made to be broken up into two. Mm-hmm. Tupac, All Eyes on Me. Yeah. We'll I don't get think, back to that. Yeah, because I don't think it was made to broken up because there's no... History behind disc one, disc this two. This two, okay. Wilco being there. That was her sophomore album. Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death in 97. That, yes. That, yes. That has a bit of a concept. Yeah, because when you see, when you look at the, the CD covers, yeah. like the, the actual picture on the disc, yeah. 
one's a dark one, one's a, one's a lighter one. Exactly. So I think it, life and death. Exactly. Yeah. That's very common in hip-hop, which we're going to get to. Wu-Tang's Wu-Tang Forever. Yep. E-40's The Elements of Surprise. Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, 99. And then you could keep going into the 2000s here. I just listed a few into the 2010s as well. Godspeed you, Black Emperor, Lift Your Skinny Fists, like Antennas to Heaven in 2000. That's a, that's just really a one build-up prog song, one, one post-rock song, one drone song on each side. Nick Cave, Abattoir Blues and the Lear of Orpheus is almost two separate albums, but released as a double. Foo Fighters in Your Honor. Yeah. Double album. Electric, acoustic, right? One for each. What LCD. year was that? Uh, that was in 05, I think. LCD, uh, LCD Sound Systems debut album. To me, it's not a double album because disc one is the album. Disc two is outtakes and singles from before the album came out. People consider it a double. 06 Stadium Arcadium. Into the 2010s. Not going to get too much into details, but Arcade Fire's Reflector. I, d- I had no idea till you told me that today. That it was a double album. Because it's no short. No fucking idea. It's short. There's six songs on each side. They, they broke it up so you listen to this. This has a feeling and this has a feeling. But I like right? that. That's smart. See, I, I enjoy that too. Uh, Vince Staples, Summertime 06. Same idea. We're going to get to that. M83, Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Double album that was very important in the 2010s. Swans this year. A lot of drone again. Not really my thing, but very popular double album in the 2010s. So the transition of, like, we complain about double albums when they get put out because we say it's just a bunch of songs. But if you look through, like, now I just went through this extensive, if you kept up with me, back in the day, a double album didn't mean more than here's a lot of music, oftentimes. But I think the people, the way they look at it, it could be like, oh, shit, so much music from the artist I love. And then people could be like, this is too much. And depends depending You're on right. the track list. Because when you look at like a, like a Vince Staples, yeah. there was what, 10 songs on each side, each disc? Yeah. That's not long. It's, it's 20 not. songs. But put yourself in the perspective of people who back in the day picked up the Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street and got a double album. There weren't many Rolling Stones around. No. People that picked up the Who's Quadrophenia or if you were a Genesis fan, the Limelight's down on Broadway, there's one Genesis. A double album back in the day means more quality. Well, look at the White Album from the Beatles. Um, yeah, for sure. So when you look at it today, it's, a very, it's also very chart-driven today. Yeah. How many songs could I get in the top 50 on Spotify or well, yeah they're streaming the more songs you put on an album the more popular you are the more streams you're gonna get right so right there you shoot up to being in the top 50 yeah top 20 yeah you know what I mean and a lot of people do that for a certain reason and there was something that was said and we'll probably get into it about Little Wayne's Carter 5 uh-huh. that he did that to be back into like, into the top. Oh yeah, like well, there's three back to back. One, two, three, right there. And yeah. the end. Let's let's look at double albums in hip hop. Double albums in hip hop. Hip hop. Well, the first one ever was yeah. Tupac. All, All eyes, eyes on, on me. Ninety six. Uh, that uh, I included it in the nineties one because it's it's a very important one because it's the first one in hip hop. Yeah. 
which is super important to to talk about because Tupac had just signed to Death Row. Yeah. And came out with a bang because he was in the studio. Number one, he had just came out of prison, so he was writing a lot. Finally gets out of the gets out of prison, starts working with Dr. Dre, starts working with Dog Pound, Daz, starts working with all these producers. So all this music is coming out. And to me it's his best album. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? It's a double album and it's his best uh, album. Do I agree? I like me. Well, okay, yeah, I know I, it's one. Eight. Look, I'm going to put it to you this way. I find out when he started to work with Death Row and work with the producers and work with Dr. Dre, his sound yeah, became his sound, with his, his sound became way more like the Tupac sound. The f- it was fresher. It was the Tupac I love, the angrier, more out there Tupac. Yeah. So that's why. Uh, but we won't spend too much time. Notorious B.I.G., Life After Death, 97. Yeah. Uh, Wu-Tang Clan, Wu-Tang. Wait, wait, how, that was quickly after he died, right? That was a week that after? That was a couple of weeks to a month after he died. The album was finished. It was going to be a double. It was going to be a double, 110%. And it was going to be called Life After Death. And it was going to be called Life After Death. Everything was recorded. The whole thing was recorded. Everybody that's a featuring on there talked about the studio sessions and that it was part of the album. There was nothing tampered with. And I and I and it's a very important hip-hop album. Yeah. Uh, Wu-Tang Wu-Tang Forever you know how much I love that album yeah I find out each MC on that was at the top of their game at that time and after releasing solo albums and finally getting back into the studio I found out it was just like we're all here we're st- we could still do this and here's here's us at the top so now I see this in hip-hop three of the biggest names in the 90s just put out doubles yeah 96 Two and ninety-seven. Three and ninety-seven. Yeah, oh yeah, they were big too. Yeah, 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 Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Art of War. Did they also have the track? I, you know, I'm not a Bone Thugs guy. Is, that, no. is the track with Biggie also on that album? No, no. Okay. The they I, that was kept for the Biggie album. There's a track with Tupac though. Okay. Uh, on this. Uh, now everyone takes their shots at double albums. Yeah. Tupac started in hip hop. Uh, Bone Thugs, Scarface, 98, My Homies, uh, 8-Ball from 8-Ball and MJG, Lost in 98, Master P, MP The Last Dawn, 98, uh, Nate Dogg, G-Funk Classics, Volume 1 and 2, 1998. Was that a good Nate Dogg album? Uh, yeah, it's, it's super long, yeah. like, when you, like, it's very long. But he also took songs that were on different hip hop albums oh, from yeah. the people he was because he's a he, he does was, the chorus and features yeah, and, okay. and the hook. So he 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 put a bit of those songs on his albums. Yeah, uh, E Forty Element of Surprise ninety eight. Yeah, that was long. It's one of his best. It's one of his best. It's also one of those things you could tell somebody you want to get into E40, this is all you need. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need to go get anything else. Exactly. You get double album and you're good, right? Yeah. But Hall of Game is also... Yeah. You see what's happening? Good. 97 had three. 98 has a lot more. So people are on the train now. But it's also interesting to see who yeah. is doing it. And it's top artists too. It's not low-budgeted artists. like You these, would say? Yeah, no, eight for ball? sure. Well, 8-Ball, he just came off of doing so many solo albums with MJG. What about Corrupt? Would you say that was top of his... You were about to say Corrupt, right? Yeah. Well, after Element of Surprise, there's Corrupt, Corruption, 1998. This is... I'm going to listen to Disc 1 because it's a West Coast sound. I'm going to listen to Disc 2 and it's an East Coast sound. So he played with different producers for each album Mm -hmm. and really stuck to 
what was happening in the West as a sound yeah. and what was happening in the East. So that was a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, and there's not that many songs on the albums. There's like 12 songs okay, so it's on each to... disc, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then there's nothing in 1999. Uh, Cypress Hill, Skull and Bones, 2000. Never heard that album ever. It's broken up in Skull and in Bones. But yes. Bones is like six songs. It's yeah. like more of an EP. Yeah. But apparently it got really good ratings. I've never been super huge on Cypress Hill. Uh, I really like Temple of Boom and Black Sunday, mm -hmm. but I never dug deeper. Okay. Never dug deeper. Maybe one day I'll get into this. Uh, our favorite one out of all of them, yeah. uh, Jay-Z Blueprint 2, The Gift and the Curse, 2002, right after he released Blueprint. Yeah. Uh, should he have done this? Should he have done this? No, I think he thought, I think this is like... Yeah, some of his worst songs on this. Oh, yeah. He fucking took yeah. that biggie, whole chorus. He just thought he, he could do anything at this point. Yeah, but at that point you're coming out, you gotta relax. Yeah, yeah. And it was the year after also. Yeah. Remixes. No. There's the Bonnie and Clyde song with uh, Beyonce. Fine. But two discs, yeah. He... It's probably his, his biggest fail. Uh, 2003, Diplomats, Diplomatic Community. Mm -hmm. uh, 2003, Speaker Box, The Love Below, Outcast. Two solo albums. Two solo albums. Even though on Big Boy's Speaker Box, there is a fuck ton of Andre 3000. But this is the, the solo thing. I it's think they, were, they did it smart, though. This was smart. When yeah. you think double albums in hip-hop, you go directly to this because the image they brought to you, it's two yeah. really different sounds. Yeah. That was something that Outkast always emphasized was that they sound they always sounded different. Yeah. Now they were giving you two separate albums of... Two different fully, sounds. But there's definitely a better side here. Yeah, we all know it's the love below. Yeah. Speaker Box was good. I found he tried to do too much on it, though. He, he kept a bit of the, the yeah. album before sound. Idlewild, you find? No, no. Idlewild is after this. Idlewild was after you, right? It's... After, um, right? Sangonia, yeah. 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 The, 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 there were some really good songs. He also tried to get out of the box a bit also and kind of go towards the Andre so sound, towards the earlier, of the beginning of the album. He had more success when yeah. he did uh, the Sir Lucius Love. Yes, yes, because, yes, yes. And And... He showed to be a real artist on that too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 2004, Little Flip, You Gotta Feel Me. Nas, Street Disciple. We spoke about Nas. Mm. Uh, Nelly, Sweat <laughs> Suit. You Did you ever hear that? No. No? Okay. Nelly no. doesn't have to make a double album. Let's, let's be straight honest with each other. A lot other. of these guys didn't. Um... Well, Lil Flip only had like 10 songs on one and nine on the other. Uh, UJK, Underground Kings, one is considered one, yeah. one of their best albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is great. Yeah. This was fucking great. Uh, uh, Pimp C had just gone out of prison. They were heavy in the studio. Uh, they, got a, they started working a lot more with people from the South. Yeah. Uh, super great album. Uh, Tech Nine Killer, two thousand eight. 
uh, Vince Staples, Summertime 06 in 2015. So why there's nothing in between there, right? No, nothing that nothing that's worth mentioning for sure. Okay, a lot of these to me weren't worth mentioning though. There has to be something in between. 2008, 2015. Not nothing, nothing no. major, nothing major. Okay. Uh, Big Crit, Forever is a Mighty Long Time. You skipped that album, huh? Um, I skipped, I stopped Crit after Catalactica. Which was his last best one. That's why. But okay. people say this was good. It was too long. Yeah. There's some really good tracks on here, though. I own it. Yeah? Yeah. But I, I don't think he need again, like, you don't need a double album. No. You could just, too much filler. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Migos Culture 2. Too many fillers. Spotify. Spotify did not need to be a double album. You're coming off your best project ever. You need to not put out a double album because you just killed your whole yeah. mojo. Yeah. Uh, my best friend Drake, Scorpion, 2018. Uh-huh. You want to say something about that? Nope. Uh, some people say it's his... <laughs> I think we know somebody that says it's his best album. I would cut them out of my life now if they yeah. mean that. Who? Somebody put it in their top 10. Remember when we asked for a top 10? Scorpion. Scorpion was in there. Yeah, stop listening to us. Uh, <laughs> yes, I agree. And Lil Wayne, Carter 5. Yeah, before we do anything, 1988, he's a DJ, I'm the rapper, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. It's a double album. It's a double album? Yeah. So why didn't they consider it as the first ever? They were the first to bring double disc format to rap. Really? It's not necessarily lengthy, but it was originally on vinyl and split on two discs. How many many, uh, songs on each album? I don't have that right now. Not long. They can be 15 songs on each, 20 songs on each. What's the name of the album? No, it wasn't a lengthy album, so it's not going to have... He's a DJ, I'm the rapper. I'll tell you right now how many songs. Uh, 10 per side. 10 and 8. Okay, that's not bad. It's not bad. No. The CD had 18 tracks. Yeah. Actually, CD cut a song out, 17. So Carter 5, Lil Wayne. That's where we end, yeah. Don't think it needed to be a double. A lot of these did not. But the Little Wayne. None of the 2018 ones did. I got to say something about Little Wayne before we continue. The reason why it's a double is because it was so long in the making that he did not know what he could take off. And he just needed to make everybody hear all the stuff. Because there's songs on there that are like seven years old that he said. A lot of them that are seven years old, five years old, that he was waiting to put out and then he had that bullshit that he had to do with Birdman. Yeah. And that's why he just kept everything on and didn't take anything off. We shouldn't say though it shouldn't be a double album. I mean, it doesn't need to be. You're absolutely right. No, I don't think it doesn't need to be. We're allowed. We're the critic. But it's also better than a lot of albums on this list. Yes. Drake Scorpion did not need to be a double album. Could have been a 10 track solid piece of work and we but got the, isn't that the one that has the singing on mostly on one and the rapping on it. the other one 
But it's not even that well broken up because he still raps on and sings on. So it's not even. So it was just to get streams? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just to get streams, huh? Absolutely to get streams. There's a lot of filler on this. I thought he was doing this just to come back and be like, look, I've had my beefs. You guys haven't heard. You guys have had playlists from me. You guys have had lengthy albums. Let me just throw you a bunch of songs. No, that was no. No, it wasn't that. He tried to break it up into two different things, like a, a, a rap side and a softer side. Drake's worst project? Drake's worst project? Uh, uh, yes. He made Views sound good. Whoa. I'm not kidding. I went back to Views after this and I was like, okay, I could, I could do that. I could tolerate this now. Wow. Migos Culture 2 doesn't need to be a double. No, definitely not. Not after what they came out with. It's too much. Culture 2 should almost be an EP. <laughs> I'm not trying to... No, I'm, I know... Uh, no, you, you're absolutely right because these the songs are so redundant on this. The singles were amazing. Yeah. I thought it was going to be another like another epic mm. album. But I can't pick you uh, anything that wasn't a single that's worth hearing. Yeah. What else was... I think the last best one was... Vince Staples, Summertime 06. Yeah. But which, before that, there's a long period with no good double albums, I'd say. Up until Diplomats. Speaker Box was left. Yeah, it was fine. Lil Flip, Nas, Nelly. No, UGK. UGK was good in 07. But they're making these double albums because I think their past projects didn't do as good. So they're trying to get back to basics and be like, my last project wasn't as good. I'm going to give you everything right now. I think double albums work better in the form of a concept. Going back to the early, even though I don't like it, you know, the walls. Mind you, no, not even. Fuck it. Well, you could tell the artists that have something behind everything. Okay, like B.I.G. Yeah. Yeah, like, see, that worked out. That was a bit more of a concept. And let's be honest with each other. Every song of that is fucking amazing. I said it's his best album. And I, I say to that this day that album. that's way better than Ready to Die. Yeah. You have every single sound possible and attracts every different type of person of what they want to hear in an artist. And nothing ever feels out of place. Exactly. It just com- it flows perfectly. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Uh, I, I mentioned the corruption, the East to West sound. What did Scarface do on my homies? That was a project that was just put out in between uh, the one where he's sitting in a red room with the. Was it his way of saying, I'm an elite MC as well? Watch me do it too? Yeah. It's and too bad it didn't work. Cause... But there's a lot of featurings. That's yeah. why it's called My Homies. Yeah, yeah, no. Because yeah. it's all featurings, all featurings. So do double albums work for hip-hop? Yes and no. Depends who puts them out. Because when I'm listening to a B.I.Z., when I'm listening to the Pac, I don't feel like I'm there for a long time. I feel like I'm getting a full body of work and there's something behind it. Same thing with Vince Staples. Same thing with Diplomats. Same thing with Wu-Tang Forever. Well, there's an interesting thing to point out about the Tupac and the big albums. And it's exactly what I said at the end of the Nas episode. We didn't live to see future work. So we take what we have and we... When we get it. That's it. Because to me, if you look at Notorious B.I.G., it's crazy how much 
fucking like you're like the guy died after two albums. Yeah. Consider this as having a bunch of music. Right. But all for the right reasons. And then from a Wu Tang Forever, let's say, I think there the W was a good album after this. But if you look after that, you end up in their solo stuff more. Yeah. 100%. You don't really go back to the group albums. Yeah. So this a double album kind of works. And the way I, the, the the way the reason why I love Wu-Tang Forever because I, again, it's just guys at the top of their game just yeah. sparring with each other. Mm-hmm. A lot of storytelling. It was also a, a positive album. When you listen to the lyrics, yeah. There's no I'm going to kill you. It's just life lessons, life stories. You I know. Was, I was watching uh Talking about making sure your kids don't get into the same thing as you having to sell drugs, having to murder yeah. people, having to rob people. It's it was like there was a lot of positive light out of this. And some of my favorite Wu Tang altogether songs are on here. Triumph. So there's a twenty minute video with with Riza that I sent you. Yeah. That I watched this week on on Pitchfork and he's giving you the soundtrack of his life. He puts Triumph on it. For sure. And he says that that song, when they were in the studio, he talks about them in the studio saying, when Inspector Deck wrote wrote the verse and performed it, everyone went back to... Yes. We got to... Okay, no. We got to write something. Yeah. I know. And, and I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned that because you just made the light bulb go on in my head is they've, they've been interviewed regarding Triumph. Yeah. And they've all said that album, they were listening to each other's verses and saying, I got to do better. I got to go in and do better. A lot of the things that happen on that album is they would go to the studio, record. Yeah. And then RZA would be like, okay, you're going to be put on this song with this person. Go record a song. Oh, fuck. I just heard Raekwon. I need to go record on that song because I need to be better than him. So that's why, to me, listening to it before hearing the interviews and before hearing... The whole concept and what they were doing is just like it's cool to me. Yeah. Because you're just like, fuck, I gotta do better than that guy. Like, it's kind of like your competition is the person you're in the same group as. Yeah. And the tour that came off after this and how they all blew up in different directions, like seeds, is crazy also. They were all elite MCs. At look at 97 and after, they were running everything. Big time. Solo. They were running everything. Method Man exploded after yeah. this. Ghostface exploded. Mm. So it's it's just super cool. And the whole movie aspect behind it, like with the videos yeah, and the stuff like that, that was super cool. Okay, so look, we, we went through the history of double albums. We agree that they hit, they miss. It's, yeah. it's not, there's no direct relation to it being a no. double. What are your five? My top, top five double albums of all time. Okay. And I, then we'll talk a bit now you spoke about forever. But. So I'm going to look at the list because it's kind of easy to me. And if you listen to her season one, you could probably tell. Um, I would go with... Are you going in order or are you just naming them? I'm going to go... I'm going to go in order. Huh. I'm going to do this in order. Cool. Okay. And I just... You know what number one is? Diplomats, diplomatic immunity. Uh, you don't want to talk about it? Well, I talked about it a lot on season one, but to me, that's just like, just the sound of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Just, to me, that album just taught me so much more of 
what I like in hip hop, what I want to hear in hip hop. Yeah. All these MCs. It just kind of like, it paints a picture of what New York is at that time. It paints a picture of what Harlem is. Like one of my favorite MCs is on that all time, Cameron. Yeah. So just him being at his best, him bringing all these people together, that sound, the, the all those samples. Yeah. Heat makers, Kanye West, Just Blaze, some of the best producers producing on that. Uh, and just the Harlem lyrics and just 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 the whole project, the way it was put together and stuff like that. Um, number two would probably be Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death. Uh, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Forever. Tupac, All Eyes On Me. And believe it or not, you're going to be surprised when I say this. Number five, did I say four? Yeah, number five would probably have to be Vince Staples, Summertime 06. I thought if it wasn't that, it was UGK. Yeah, and I love the UGK. I love. think the Vince Staples one is... is um, it's a good one to have in a five. But dude, it was Vince Staples, Summertime 06 is his first solo. Yeah. He had a bunch of EPs and a bunch of mixtapes before that. But remember when this came out? I wasn't, we weren't working together. I was working at St. Bruno. Mm-hmm. I went the first day. I was super excited because I was listening to all his mixtapes, all the work he did with Mac Miller, uh, Tyler, the creator, Earl Sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this guy's coming out with a double album. In my head, the first thing I thought, fuck. I, he puts out a fucking solo debut. It's going to suck. Forget this guy ever existed. And I was shocked. Yeah. And well, the way it's broken up, too, is yes. very nice. But this guy's telling you the full story of him growing up. Yeah. I'm and surprised I'm surprised other guys like didn't try doing like a Kendrick, didn't try doing a double concept. He uh-huh. manages on one disc, right? Right. If it was released in the 70s, they would all be double albums because yeah. they're long. But but th- that, that's my five, and I want to really hear your five. I know what your number one is for sure, 110%. Well, you went in, you went in order, so I'm going to go... Uh, I'll go in order, too, okay? Yeah. You went from number one. Do I go from number one? Do I go from number five? Go for number five and then break your way down. Okay, number five. It's hard because there's a lot of fives for me here. There's a lot of number fives here. Number five, I'm going to go with... I would have put the debut LCD, but I don't consider it a double. The second disc is outtakes and remixes. So you can't. You don't. So consider I'm it not going to consider it a double. LCD is LCD is a big band you like. That's it. And the and the first disc is really what I like. I listen to the singles as well on the second disc, but not as a full uh, album. Mm-hmm. Let's say number five. I'm going to put. It's really hard for me. There's a lot of. I'm looking at this list. Well, yeah, there's the a fucking lot of albums, albums you, I'm looking at. The albums you name are just out of control. For the for all the stuff you listen to, yeah. Number five is gonna be because I can't reverse this once I once I've put this out into the world. I'm gonna go with Wilco being there. It's the second album that they put out. It's too bad because the first album is really good, mm-hmm. and the second one has good parts, but it's Jeff. It's some of just Jeff Tweedy's best sounding songs he, he he had just split up with uncle tupelo 
One guy went on to create Sonvolt. He went to create create Wilco. The first Wilco album, to a lot of people, was defined as being cute. Like, they're trying. He's trying to make music. And the other guy's music, he was really the leader of Uncle Tupelo. He had more of the artsy sound when he continued his band. The Uncle Tupelo fans followed that band. So when Wilco put out the second album, making it a double... One thing that was very always present in the Jeff Tweedy songwriting was his anxieties. He had just had his first kid in this, on this album. He was trying to, you know, settle down as a family guy with his wife. So they're all songs that are very... They're very simple. They could... They could really, you, anybody could relate to this album. Oh, I, you just named something about having a kid and I already relate to the album. So, yeah, so like I find it's very important as a songwriter to relate to your audience. I say that a lot when I talk about songwriters. Wilco's Being There does that. It's just a nice album and it's like kind of alt country sounding so it's really not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, to me, it's it's one of their best albums for sure. Um, number four, I'd go Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti. I think it's, I, I like I said, I think it's their best album. Uh, nothing else to say there. Number three, Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's everything the Stones represent, so. There it is in one album. Number two, I got Sonic Youth, Daydream Nation. What I like so much about that album is how they managed to perfect their sound of sounding bored. I don't know if you know what I mean. When you watch Sonic Youth perform, when you listen to them, there's just this whole air of like, we don't want to be doing this. Yeah, that's the whole, like, Sonic Youth to me, when I see their CD album covers and I listen to, well, don't listen to them, but like, when they play, it's just like, these guys are fucking... They don't want to. Like, they don't want to do this. They're doing this because they're they're. It looks like they don't smile and they're always fucking mad. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing is it, it like looks me. that way, but they're they're very, very particular in their songwriting and it's just their 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 air. That's their that's their thing. That's their. People love Sonic Youth, though. Sonic love. Youth is incredible, man. Sonic Youth is like responsible for. I mean. Fuck, they're responsible for Nirvana in many ways. Like yeah, for Kurt sure. Kurt was in love with Sonic Youth. This this was well, a band that... Like, like how he, fucking depressed he was, but... He took Sonic Youth and, and, and made popular Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. And broke out and made... Like, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit made alternative music popular in the 90s. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And the main inspiration to that was Sonic Youth. But so many bands got big off of like Nirvana's afterwards yeah right yeah, you know what sure. I mean like if it wasn't for Nirvana to come out with that album right. not all these bands that followed would have been popular they would have been just grunge music or just yeah bad rock music right so I think I think Sonic Youth Daydreamation is a, is a fucking perfect album but it's also very important one very very important album and then my number one is The Clash London Calling yeah uh, for the that. similar reasons that you say about Biggie this was a punk band that put out a double album and they touched on jazz, they touched on folk, they touched on pop, they touched on, did I say reggae? Yeah, no. Touched on reggae. Joe Strummer was a big reggae and dub guy. I got something to add so, though about that. And this was a punk album, like 
Mm-hmm. Punk is so maybe not back in the day. Well, mind you, a bit in the seventies, it was very, it was very much about like don't change your sound. You have to sound this way. You have to sound raw. You have to do. And here they are touching like all these types of music and like, like when you listen to uh, Guns of Brixton, it's the bass player Paul Simonon who's singing, and it's 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 a song that Cypress Hill took the oh. beat for. Uh, anyway, Cypress Hill took a song from the Clutch called Guns of Brixton. When you listen to that bass line, like the way it grooves, and it's like very reggae influenced, but today almost sounds hip hop. For sure, it's crazy, man. What they did on this album, and they were a bunch of like like they were four punks that like basic basic instrument knowledge the crazy thing is about that album is look what it created look at the bands it created yeah and rancid being one of them look at the sound of and out come the wolves yeah you know as much of and out come the wolves by rancid uh life won't wait by rancid rancid let's go like indestructible you said let's go I just want to say this real quick yeah. because before, when we were planning this episode, you said don't rant it, have a double album. Yeah. Let's Go was supposed to be a double album. Some people consider it to be one. Oh, really? I don't. No, I don't either. I've never listened to it as a double album. It's I've yeah. owned it on CD. I've, I, by the way, I still own all my Rancid albums and I'm never <laughs> going to get rid of them. But that album created so much other bands and you could hear the Clash, you can hear London calling in so many of these albums. Yeah. And I just want to bring it back to Rancid. Look at all the different albums they made. Yeah. That's why I still love Rancid to this day is because they made different sounding albums. The reggae, the punk rock, the hardcore punk. Yeah. But they got that from The Clash because of what The Clash was able to do on London Calling. You know what I'm saying? It was definitely a big, yeah. You can't tell me that when you hear... And out come the wolves, you don't hear the clash. Well, I hear a lot of ska influence and and London Calling came way before. Yeah. So along the way, there were other bands that kind of took the sound and changed it for sure. But London Calling is very important. Probably one of the most influential albums out there also. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I think so. Um, Yeah. Double albums. It's funny how we like we shout on them because we would say like the, that whole thing of like doesn't need to be a double album too long too short this album's too long, but like when you look at some of the double albums of the seventies, I was looking at it in like seventy minutes, like an album that I like Blood Sugar Sex Magic from the Chili Peppers would have been a double if you play into like how when it came out you know, mm-hmm. so there's so many albums and at the end that like you realize are actually could have been doubles if technology didn't stadium or arcadium you want to talk about that i want you to touch on that a bit okay so we asked each other what's an album pick one album that does not need to be a double album ever yeah and i picked stadium arcadium yeah but i didn't want to ask you that just because of that i wanted you to ask you that because i remember when it came out yeah people were like there was mixed emotions mixed feelings about it people were like it's too long there still is there still is right the good about it the good about it is that, well, look, some of their best songs are on this album. So that's the good about it. That's, that's something very nice about it. It's known as, although, by the way, was the John Frusciante album in terms of the, the, the structuring and the, 
layering and the producing, this album is where he proves himself as the guitar player we know him for. Mm-hmm. He let loose on this album. He goes nuts. So if you want to hear good guitar playing, you're going to get it here. The bad about it, if you listen to, actually, if you are a Chili Pepper fan and you listen to, you pull up Stadium Arcadium on Spotify, there's a bonus track at the end, which is audio commentary. Flea and Anthony are in one room. Chad and John are in one room. And they're talking about the build-up, the, the making of every song. Wow. This is something that came on the DVD of... You watched the, it, listened the, to it? Um, the deluxe edition. I, yeah, I've, yeah I've, I've heard it a couple of times. But they're each talking about the songs they like and the songs they... How they made them. But they're also talking about the songs they dislike. So there's some songs that you hear them saying, like, I knew... Chad liked this song. I don't really identify with it. So this is, a, it's, it's, essentially this album's a potluck. Everyone's going to throw in all the songs they like. Mm-hmm. So if John likes these eight, and Anthony likes these eight, and Flea likes these eight, and we're just going to put it all, and here you go. Something I remember. And there's a lot of songs that got cut from the album that are B-sides. Really? There's, there was 30, there's 28 songs released. I believe there's 38 that were recorded. Have you ever heard those? 37 of the 38 are available to hear, yes. The 38 song is not. And are they good? The other 10 or 9? Look, if I had to reduce Stadium Arcadium to one disc, none of those songs would make my one disc. Okay, cool. So I would just stick to the songs on the double album because I find they're, they're good songs that never got finished properly or that feel rushed in the mm-hmm. middle. There's some songs that are like in the middle of a bridge, like Anthony will be singing and then he'll just stop. So it's like he didn't know how to progress with the words, so they didn't make him. But if I was doing a double album, maybe I would use them. A lot of people got into Red Hot Chili Peppers with Stadium or Acadium. A lot of... Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a lot of people that had no idea or weren't listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers really got what's that word I'm looking for like uh, they discovered them discovered them through Stadium Arcadium which isn't wrong no because their songs were all over the radio yeah you didn't get into them because you you maybe got into them because of Stadium Arcadium but you've heard Californication yeah for sure other side and you've heard but this was their most popular album because of the Grammy also for our generation yes yes they won the Grammys for it yeah so so it was something that people went towards because of all the light that was shining on them. Yeah. The thing that's unfortunate too is just like out of 28 songs, like even the single choices weren't good. No. Danny California was a leading single. Makes sense. Tell Me Baby just sounds like every other Chili Pepper song. Snow, great single. Makes sense. Desecration Smile, great song. Not a good choice of single. Hump the Bump. The video directed by Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> the worst song on the album. It just sounds like another Tommy Baby. Like, give us... You put out an album of 28 songs, and two of your singles are just going to sound like generic Chili Pepper songs. And Danny California already sounds like one. I, I remember the music videos from this album. Yeah? I can't remember what's the song, but it was a fucking weird music video. What was it? I can't remember. It's fucking too long ago. I was on drugs during the time that this came out, so... What was happening in the music video? Very weird stuff. Like, it was, like, all over the place. 
Well, fuck, I don't remember. I just I would need to go look at the music videos again. Song, uh, album that I yeah don't something think that doesn't need to be a double album. I'm not gonna go with Carter Five because we spoke about the fact that there was songs that he didn't want to take off because they were seven years old and they were supposed to be on the original Carter Five. So I'm gonna go with Jay Z Blueprint Two. That didn't need to be an album at all. That yeah, you're right, and I'm happy you said that. Calling your album Blueprint Two after you put out your best album to date, yeah, using the same name, calling it the Gift and the Cursed, Disc One being the Gift, Disc Disc Two being the Curse. You're fucking something up there. There's something. There's something right off the bat when you're going to listen to it. You're just like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? It wasn't happening a lot in hip-hop where your second album was called what your first album was with a part two. It yeah. happened with mixtapes. Yeah. But just li- that, this is later on. This is like late 2000s, yeah. 2010s and, and on where the, the number two was being put in. Like Wayne put out Carter 1, 2 and stuff like that. That's fine. Mm. But just the way Jay-Z went about it wasn't too smart. And there's a lot of outtakes yeah. and B-sides from his past work on this. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's besides from the first blueprint, this thing that didn't make the album. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, this. No, yeah. So like, yeah, it's not a very good, it's, uh, it's ve- when I, when I first got into Jay-Z, I put this on because I was just like, it's the second. Let's hear it. When you listen to it, it's very rushed. Oh, for sure. This was just like, uh, I'm going to put this song, I'm going to take these songs and just throw these on the album. Let's make a second disc. I'm selling. I just did Blueprint. Let's go. And it sold super well. Wasn't there even a 2.1 after? Yes, there was a 2.1. It was a red cover with the same the same face on it. But what was it? What was on the disc? I don't know. I didn't follow after that. I thought you would know something like that. No. This is a, this is a period of Jay-Z I really don't care for. Yeah. This is, this is the fall off. Then after this, he came out with Black Album. Which was great. And, and then another fall off. Yeah, because he kind of retired. So. Yeah. Yeah, but. What was, yeah. Jay, what was Jay-Z's last great album? And don't count 444. I don't, I don't dislike Blueprint 3. You used to like it a lot. It reminds me of college. It reminds me of this. Like he, You know what the thing is with that album is. Death of Autotune, look, we're getting into a different topic, but he put himself into, he basically killed the trend mm-hmm. and made himself popular again. Yeah. Very, very big part of his career. But look at what he was doing on that. He was working with all the new artists. Yeah. All the new artists. Drake, Kid Cudi. Yeah. Uh, Cole. Yeah. Fucking... Um, like it, Young Jeezy was on there. Well, who else was on there? Kanye, Rihanna were on there. Yeah. Kanye was on there twice even. Uh, and the sounds too that he was. Mr. Hudson. Yeah, that last song that I don't I like. Hate that fucking song. Fucking hate it. So for songs like that, I don't like it. But then you get songs like "Onto the Next" with Swiss Beats. It's yeah. Like Death of Auto Tune. Death of Auto Tune was that. When Death of Auto Tune came out, I wasn't into Jay Z. Yeah. I was into the underground stuff. And that's when I was just like, ooh, okay, what is he saying? There's good there's good stuff on, on but, Blueprint 3. It's not 
Then I heard the Hudson song and I was just like, this is shit. It's not a perfect album, but it's a very good album, I'd say. But yeah, the Jay-Z Blueprint 2 did not need to be a double disc, nor, like you said, need to happen. No. It was hard for me to pick five, to be honest. I really hesitated at the end on the Wilco. I would have gone like Minutemen, Double Nickels on a Dime, Huskadoos and Arcade, but... I didn't put Outcast in mine because of the Vince Staples, or it would have been number five. Because Over I think, UGK? Yeah, because I think Love Below is in its oh. own just incredible... I considered Life After Death for my number five. Yeah, because you don't have any hip-hop in I there. didn't have any hip-hop. But that will qualify. I like... I mean, you know. Life After Death is... I think... And I, I hate saying I think because I kind of know, but when people make albums yeah. in hip-hop, they put on Life After Death. They listen to Life After Death because it's the... This is what my album needs to not sound like, but what I need to do with after. Like these are it's a standard. This, yeah, exactly. The, you use the perfect word. It's the standard because the singles were put in properly. The songs were put in the right place. Yeah. You know whether it's this one and two. The the songs were the the way the album was put together was incredible, mm -hmm. and to this day I find it incredible. And just. People listen to that, and I, I, you could tell when you listen to other people's work, the standard of what they listen to, because you get you get ideas when you're making an album. You're gonna listen to things, you get inspiration. You right? have to you have to go look at other. You get inspiration, sure. so you get, hey, this is what I need to. This is what it needs to be like. Yeah. This is the type of songs I need to have for my, for me to be successful. So, yeah. I mean, what what's the most songs you want and what you want on a double disc? What's the, like the? I don't want. I always say quality over quantity. Yeah. If it's two discs of ten songs each, like I think the Vince Staples is, I'm happy with that. The Arcade Fire did six and six, or say whatever, something short and short. It's short on both sides. I'm fine with that. To me, it's don't. It's about don't add it. Not it's about not adding content that doesn't need to be there. And. Do you think a double disc that comes out now with 20 songs on each disc or something like Drake did, does that hurt your career? Do you think it's possible with the, like, just well, the, the way... Well, the Drake thing is because the quality wasn't there. And, and also the way we listen to music now, too. A lot of exactly. people are, are on to the next right away, and a lot of it is playlist now. When Scorpion came out, my initial reaction was, okay, let me make a shorter version. Let me go get the songs I like, drop them in a playlist, and make a cohesive songs that are going to flow into. That right there tells me the album's not good. And also, the way we listen to music, people listen to playlists, people listen to singles. Yeah. It's hard to come out with a double disc album now. Yeah. But see, like what Drake did on More Life was almost as long as Scorpion. It was good. It was a playlist, though. He called it a playlist. You call it whatever the fuck you want. I mean... Yeah. I don't. Even, I never understood that. I'm just saying what he said. I never understood it either. Like, you could call your album a jar of peanut butter. If it doesn't flow, then it's not. It's not. It's just not a good body work. Songs thrown. Yeah. For popularity and place yeah. and clicks. Scorpion was clearly that, if you ask me. I don't think Scorpion was anything. And there's some songs that are good. There's some songs where he addresses real things, but. Oh, man. No oh, thanks. Man. I don't think we need that many double albums now. No, we don't. And uh, and and that's what what I found very interesting about the Wyoming sessions with Kanye. 
in the same year that Drake did a double, Migos, Drake, and Wayne did double albums. Kanye Push, Kitsy Ghost. Nas. Changed the recipe. They changed the way you're going to listen to the album, right? Seven songs. 22 minutes each, almost. And that's the thing. is like It's very nice that you have this double album of 20, yeah. 25 songs. Yeah. I'm going to make an album of seven songs. You're going to listen to it three times in a row. And you just listen to 21 songs. Yeah. It's... It's there's different ways, man. But I think now too long, skip. Yeah, nobody has the attention span anymore to go through double albums, and that's why I find double albums today will hurt you. Unless again, we talk about this Moses Sumney album that came out this year. It's a double album for a reason. How many songs? The first side I think has like eleven, and the second side has eight or something. Oh, that's cool. It's an hour and five minutes. That's cool. That's good. That's nice. short, but it's. This is also a guy that does, he's very artsy. Mm -hmm. It's very, like if you say an M83, like it's artsy, it's put together a certain way. Streaming artists, big names, don't do double albums for art purposes. What's next? What's next for us? Well, we have another episode next week. Yeah. Next week is big, Dick. Next week is different. I'm happy. Do we want to talk about it right away? Yeah, let's talk about it right away. I think it's going to be good for the fans of both. Yeah, next week we got a collab episode. Yeah. We're going to be um, recording an episode with the Fula podcast. Yeah, it's going to be all-time ex-Fuelup podcast. That's it. And we love when you guys listen to us on Spotify, on whatever, whatever you listen to. Apple Music. But they're on YouTube too. Yeah. So if you want to watch the video version of that episode. Oh, fuck. I'm going to be on YouTube? You're going to be on YouTube. Go to their page and watch us in video. Yeah. So this is a, it's, it's like a mashup. You know when yeah. when an artist does a song with a producer? It's kind of like the same thing. Yeah. And it's going to be on our Spotify and our page. It's going to, it's our episode as much as it's their, their episode. episode. That's it. We're going to try and, what they, what they do, we talk about them a lot. What they do is... Uh, they're they're focused on the automotive industry. Yeah. They cover the headline like we do with music, they do with car related stuff. They recently started doing local guest episodes. Very smart. I Very like good do. episodes of uh, I mean people that are just like local startups or Yeah. So if you have a local startup and you want to you want to get onto their reach out to them, they'll be happy to well, Yeah, for talk sure. Talk to you. Uh but yeah, so we had done one episode with them. Yeah, they it was, it was their guests. Yeah, we were their guest. It was on their uh, their uh, podcast. Yeah, and now they're gonna want now they now now we're gonna head there and we're gonna call it, we're gonna collab and we're gonna episode. ask them questions. I have yeah. no idea what I'm gonna ask them, but it's gonna be fun. It's gonna, I have, we're gonna see what's in store. Yeah. it's gonna be a nice collab. We're gonna have some fun. Uh, it comes out next Friday. We might go off topic of music, like we 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 might go into the car stuff because that's their thing. Yeah. We might just talk. I mean, these guys went to high school with us. These guys are old friends. Like, Mass is an old friend of mine. Yeah. We talk about Stadium Arcadia. Mass was there when we bought it together. That's so crazy. So we're going we're gonna to shoot shit for sure with them. Yeah. It's going to be just... And, and and me and Mass don't really agree on all the hip-hop music. <laughs> so it's going to be good to finally lash out with him. For those reasons, you should watch the YouTube video. Yes, of me and him going at yeah. it. So, because we don't agree on a bunch of stuff. So yeah. it's going to be fun to... Uh, 
to have uh, have those guys on and be part of them and all that stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. So check that out. Like I said, if you wanna, if you wanna, we're gonna be linking everything. We're gonna set you guys up. If you wanna watch the YouTube, the YouTube wanna... is gonna be fun. I like that. I had no idea. You just, yeah, it's, yeah, you no, just no, now told a, me that we're gonna be filmed. They do a really good job. They got like all their cameras set up, man. They they're on point. Follow them at Philip podcast at fuel up pod or at fuel up podcast i don't know one of those two just figure it out figures. you just write fuel up and they're there they'll pop up if you follow us go on our followers and get them yeah they're awesome this is going to be fun we're going to be filmed youtube all-time pod fuel up pod we're ready at the fuel up podcast seriously go follow them they're really great guys yeah really nice guys can't wait to get this uh, th- get this happening mass you better be ready because i'm coming for you <laughs> I already have the quest questions brewing in my head. Mass is ready. He likes it. Yeah, I like fighting with him. Or when he messages me saying, oh, we agree finally. <laughs> yeah, just on one thing. So that's it. Thank I you for two. it. We yeah. got a shorter episode this week. Double we albums do? was, yeah. Double albums we did. Uh... Yeah, big shout out to my wife for not busting my balls or texting me saying that I need to rush home. Did you like doing double albums? I like doing double albums. Did you learn anything? Uh, I learned a fuck ton because you were like a teacher at the beginning. I was just sitting here and saying, mm-hmm. but I was learning. I had no idea. I wonder how many people zoned out when I was talking. No, you, they're probably listening because it's fucking interesting. You're very smart. Thank you. I would have never looked up any of that shit or cared for it unless it was, had to do with hip hop. And the only thing I gave was that Tupac was the first ever one. And I was fucking wrong because you said it was DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith. Well, I thought it was Tupac too, but then I then as we were talking, I'm like, no, but wait, I I read somewhere. But that's the thing, man. You can't like people want to listen to us, they want to hear our thoughts on certain music, but it's good to also inform them. Yeah. If you come around here just talking Griselda, the fact that you always have to bring up Griselda, I always have to uh, bring up Griselda. Me. It's not my fault that they come out with a fucking album and it's all great music. So <sighs> check out Conway the Machine. From king to a god. And that's it. See you next week. You're going to wrap up the episode on Griselda? Yeah, because there's a big album. It's his debut album coming out. It's that big. It's fucking huge. I'm excited. 14 songs. I listened to the single once. The second single, I just skimmed it because I just want to be surprised when I put it on and get fully excited. Pause. I can't wait. Very excited. See you guys next week. Griselda, bye.